Arsenal Ozil. Marca Mesut Ozil. Corner. Llegó el gol de Olivier Giroud. Marca el Arsenal. Marca Olivier Giroud. Gol de los Gunners. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. Goodly morning to you. Goodly morning. How are you doing? I'm well. It's going to be a very exciting episode of the podcast because not only are we going to talk about Arsenal, not only are we going to talk about all the signings that we're going to make, which, you know, just inevitable. Of we're, course. We're, we're, we're going in large on preserves, jam and marmalade. The taste, what do we call it? The taste off? Taste off, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I mean, who said the summer wasn't particularly exciting? Things just kicked up a gear. Yeah. Um, I went to my local shop last night. Uh, I'll be honest, I went relatively budget with my choices. I didn't go overboard. I saw Uh, that. I saw that, yeah. But, you know, I had to buy three different preserves. I'm not making millions out of this podcasting game. So, uh, you know, cut cut my coffee accordingly. Yeah. I'm ver- very excited. Very I think, excited. Yeah, I mean, I, I noticed your, your marmalade, thin-cut marmalade, didn't go for, uh, you know, the thick-cut or coarse-cut marmalade, but I think that's fine. When you're for a just, beginner. Yeah, absolutely. You're just dipping your toe into the waters of of, of orange-based preserves. So like an, an entry drug. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's fine. So we'll do that, will we, towards the end of the show? I presume you've got some, some bread there. Oh, it's all lined up. Oh, fantastic. So we'll do that live. Okay, very live. exciting. In the second half at some point, I guess. Yeah, I guess. But um, other than that, how is how is everything? Everything's fine. This weekend I was in a place called Buxton, near Derby, ah. uh, performing at a comedy festival. Is that where Adam Buxton comes from? I, I can only assume so. If he doesn't, then you know his name's very misleading. Yeah. But there was also... As well as a little comedy festival, there was a Morris dancing festival. Wow, it was extraordinary. <laughs> it uh, is one of those w- w- really weird kind of customs, isn't it? Very weird. Men with sticks and bells and uh, quite a lot of guys with their faces sort of painted in kind of racially dubious ways. I mean, it's an oh, old really? tradition. Yeah, there's a, there was a little troupe and they, all their faces were sort of painted, you know, black, and I, I was like, is this okay still? I, I, I don't know the origins of that, but um, there you go, Morris dancing. I was walking around the town in a state of real confusion. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think Morris dancing is one of, those, one of those things that at the very heart of it is quite sinister. Mm. You can see, you sense this, like, connection back to old days where they would Morris dance and then probably feast on an orphan. Yeah, I think I escaped before the the human uh, sacrifice kicked in. <laughs> uh, well, fair enough. My my weekend was nothing near as exciting as that. I have to say, really. Yeah, no, no strange dancing, no men with badly painted faces, none of that. So that's that's probably the better, I'd say. That's I would right. imagine. Yeah, sometimes it's, it's better just to not involve oneself in all those things. Um, but you know, it was a quiet enough weekend relatively speaking, wasn't it? Until, until that whole Maris thing broke on, on Saturday morning. Well, I guess Friday's the day, isn't it? Because Friday's the day we played Lens in a, a friendly... Lens? Lens. Lens in a friendly. Yeah. And then, um, obviously, that's the day that supposedly, supposedly, according to French Eurosport, Arsenal held talks with the agent of Rian Maris. Mm. 
Mm. I'd, I'd love to believe that was true. I, I don't know if I fully do, to be honest with you. Yeah, me, me either. But I would also love it to be to be true. I mean, there were there was some talk. People were saying that the agent, the guy, he was definitely at the game. He was definitely at mm, the mm. the launch game. Um, but whether he, or not he was, but yeah. I think he has a client on the on the Lons team. So that's not in itself. A hugely surprising thing. They could have been. They could have been uh, going out after the game, you know, for a for a knickerbocker glory. You exactly. know, the, as agents do, they buy their clients ice cream. They bring them out for a banana split or something like that. If they're a good agent, yeah, of course, of course. Some agents just, yeah, they don't care to buy their players uh, ice creams or, or treats, and I think that's yeah. where the relationships break down. Uh, well, they bring them just like a supermarket. Ice cream, you know, they just bring him a twister or something like that. Do you know what, actually? The other day it was really, really hot here. Really hot. And I was walking out of town and I said to myself, I would like an ice pop of some kind. Okay. So I went into the shop and they have two fridges there full of various things like Mm -hmm. Cornettos and uh, Mars ice cream and Snickers ice cream and fruit pastel ice creams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, super splits, all that kind of... But you know what you c- I couldn't find? Just What's like a simple ice pop type thing, like a strawberry one or an orange one. I don't want to get too crazy on the flavors here because I know that, like, confuses you. Yeah. But, you know, just a simple, like, ice-flavored ice type thing. I used to be able to get them, they'd be 10p or 12p or whatever they cost. And I was I was prepared, ready, willing, and able to pay a little bit more than that because, you know, life has moved on, inflation. Prices are very different. I could have paid up to, like, 50 or 60 cents, I think, for one of those. But they don't, ex- they don't exist. They don't have them anymore. That's sad. Well, the closest thing I can think of is probably a, a Calippo. Yeah, but that's too fancy. Nobody wants to... I don't want to push a thing up through the tube yoke. No, I don't want that. I just want a thing with a stick that tastes vaguely of some kind of fruit. Yeah. I, I used to like the things... Do you remember the things that weren't even on sticks? They were like long... They were just like long, clear tubes. Oh, yeah. They were called Mr. Freeze. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They they were pretty cheap. As I, I, I think you can still get them in like the German supermarkets in the Lidl and Aldi and, and right, those right. kind of things. You can you can find them there. Uh, but yeah, Mister Freezes they were great. They used to cost two p. And my favorite flavor was blue. Ah, blue is a delicious flavor. It the really same flavor is. as slush puppies used to be. Yeah, blue slush puppies instant brain freeze. That's it. I mean, I don't think that's a naturally occurring flavor. That is it, blue. Blue, no. No, it doesn't taste like it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. Well, look, we've uh, we've um, we've gone off the point very slightly here. We That's were... next week, is yeah. it? Ice cream. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So he, the agent was there. Uh, he he showed as much by posting things on his social media account. Ooh, do you but think he's teasing a little bit? Or maybe, maybe. I mean, the thing is, I know uh, a journalist who who rang him up to ask him about the uh, the story with Arsenal and. Probably unsurprisingly, he denied it. Um, but I, yeah, I look, I'd love to believe it was true. I, I've got no concrete evidence either way other than this Eurosport piece. Mm. Although, to be fair, in France, from what I hear, they are a pretty reputable source. Yeah, I mean, apparently they're not known for going big on these sort of transfer exclusives. However, people did point out over the weekend that Eurosport in France did also post a story last year or maybe the year before about how we were going to sign Benzema, that it was done, 40 million Benzema's about to sign, blah, 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 blah. 
So mm-hmm. perhaps they've got a little bit of form here. Perhaps there was a need to get some hits on the website. Could they be that cynical? I don't think they could. Could they? I don't know. I don't know who watches Eurosport these days. I don't think I, I don't think I've ever really consciously watched Eurosport. I've always had it, but I don't know if I've ever deliberately put it on the telly. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's a strange channel in that I always remember it used to do like Tour de France, if I remember. Yeah. yeah. And then it would play like under 21s football and they would have some some other football and I just I don't know what they put on it every day. I don't know. I think it's still just repeats of those two things endlessly. But it's been going for years and years and years. And like they've ne- they didn't they never have any presenters on it, do they? That was no. the thing, if I remember correctly. They'd have commentators and stuff, but they'd never have presenters. They wouldn't have in studio stuff. Maybe that that's all changed. And uh, apologies to Eurosport if we're doing them a disservice. But uh, it's been going for a long time. And obviously, if they're running a story this big, well, maybe there's got to be something to it. Are we, or are we just are we just desperate and hopeful? Are we, gr- are we clutching at straws potentially? I yeah. don't know. I would love to think there was. I mean, w- you've said all summer that you think that it's a an area that we at least should be looking at or will be looking at the kind of wide yeah. attacker role. Yeah, and I think we said like a couple of weeks ago that the dearth of available world class strikers. Mm. I I felt like we might just settle for something in the striker area, but we might be able to do a bit more in the wide man area. It just struck me that there were more wide men of class uh, available than than there are strikers. So maybe your big money will go on this wide man player, and then you bring in, as you suggested a couple of weeks ago, a Welbeckian option at striker. You know, somebody who's good, but not like next level good because, you know, they're so few and far between. But if you can really add goals and creativity from the wide area, perhaps that also increases the potency of your striker, right? So if you bring in a striker who's like not brilliant, 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 but still a good striker, if you have somebody out wide who's delivering him more chances, perhaps that then makes your not brilliant striker a little bit better. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's a bit of logic to that. There's a bit of logic to that. I and and Mares is you know someone who really excelled in the Premier League last year. I mean, he's obviously a brilliant, brilliant player, and he's kind of the right kind of age, isn't he, for Arsene? You know, mm-hmm. early to mid twenties, um, about to enter the peak of his career. Leicester seem bullish, I would say, about keeping him. Yeah. Um, but then they were also quite bullish about Angelo Kante. So. I don't know. I, I um... Well, I mean, he did say he wanted to leave. I mean, that, this was the story that leaked, and it wasn't like quotes from him, but it obviously had come from his... His management. Yeah, his management, who let it be known that he would like to leave Leicester, in which case then clubs are going to go, OK, well, we'll have a go at this if we can. And if Arsenal, if they're not in for this guy, mm. based on his availability, then there's something really, really wrong with the way we're doing business or not doing business, as, as the case may be. So I suspect there's probably some games being played, and I also suspect that Mares probably would be more open to a move perhaps than Vardy was in the end. I think that he strikes me as perhaps a bit more a bit more ambitious. He's got more years left under the uh under the belt a little bit. Um yeah. because he's only 25 and based on that it seems to me a, a bit more likely that Arsene Wenger if he were inclined would push the boat out for him. As we said last week, if he wants to get to Barcelona it's the perfect direction <laughs> to move. He's going the right way. It's the, the stepping stone. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, look, I'd, I'd love to see it happen. I wonder, what did you make of Arsene's comments 
kind of more generally about... Well, I suppose we had, since we've spoken, we had the, the Gazidis comments as well oh, about yeah. the transfer window. Okay. And then Arsene's felt like a bit of a response to that, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was quite curious. Um, the the Gazidis thing, I didn't really understand what the point of that interview was. I didn't understand the need for it in any way. Um, I know he was interviewed by ESPN, mm. um, who probably just said, hey, fancy doing an interview? And he went, hey, sure. That'd be great. But I didn't necessarily see what the point of it was from a strategic point of view, uh, from an Arsenal point of view. Uh, and I know there were wider, there was a wider context to, to what he was saying, but I just thought like it was unnecessary and I thought it was like unambitious. This is a guy who in 2013 was talking about how we can be like Bayern Munich. We can compete with the big clubs in Europe. This is what he was saying. And then he's sort of downplaying our financial, um, uh, muscle. Firepower, muscle, exactly. You know, he's talking about how there are other clubs, we have to compete with other richer clubs. And that's true. You know, there are clubs that have more money and there are clubs that are richer and there are clubs that are more prestigious than us. But ultimately, we're not competing with them, are we? When in the transfer market, are we competing with, are we competing with uh, Barcelona? No. Are we competing no. with Real Madrid? No. Are we competing with Bayern Munich? No. We don't. We don't go for the same players that they go for. And if it's a thing that Arsenal go for a player, one of those clubs goes for a player, chances are he's going to sign for, for the bigger club. That, you know, we're not necessarily in the same market as they are. So I thought it was a little bit odd that he was talking down our financial firepower or saying that, oh, well, look, there are clubs who are richer than us and that, that affects the way that we can do business. Look, I, I get that you've got to be smart. I get that you've got to use your money as well as you possibly can use it. I get all that. But this, you know, this, it just felt really underwhelming to me based on the fact that we've got all this money in the bank already. Every other Premier League club, including us, is now fucking rich as anything because of the TV money. West Ham mm -hmm. and other clubs are like bidding 30, 40 million pounds for players. And we're talking about, well, there are other clubs who are a bit richer than us. And look at what Leicester did they they troll the lower leagues in France and um, you know it was just bizarre and look if you can find a Mares in France for 400,000 euros or 400,000 pounds I don't give a fuck bring him in if he's a great player I really don't give a shit how much he costs you know the correlation between price of player and quality of player is not is not there all the time, right? We know that that's true but I just would have liked something a bit more like okay here we are other clubs are doing what they're doing. They brought in new managers and, you know, it's up to us now to, you know, not sound a bit of a war cry perhaps and say, look, we're really ambitious. We're going to do things. We talk too much. That's the problem. We talk all the time about how well run we are and how sensible we are and how the, you know, blah, blah, fuck it. I'm just tired of all the talking. Yeah. Sorry, I went on a bit of a rant there. Apologies. <laughs> I was going to say, that's rich, tired of the talking, you're going on and on. Yeah. But I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, and I thought it was very strange. Usually when Gazidis does these interviews, it's as you say, it's got a kind of strategic point. It's to back up the manager or maybe even put the manager under some pressure. Whereas here it felt like it was... He must have known, surely, that comments like that would slightly rile up the fan base. Yeah. And you could sense, by the way, the sort of club media machine went into action over the next couple of days. Yeah. That they were trying to undo that. I mean, the on the piece where they announced the signing of Rob Holding, so we have bought a player since we spoke. Yeah. Um, there was a, a comment on there saying, you know, we're still very active in the market or something like that, and stay tuned to Arsenal.com for news. I've never seen anything like that come out of the club before. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I thought that, that was really, really pointed to me. Um, you know, the, was it the morning of those quotes or the morning after? Yeah, it was. It was Friday, it was the morning, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so he he arrives and what's the line? I'm just going to get the line up here. Uh, yeah, uh, we remain in the market, so stay close to Arsenal.com for further transfer news. Like pff, never in all the years uh, I've been following this club and following it online, I've never seen anything like that. And you've got to think that that was some kind of response to to what Gazidis had said or to the way that those comments were interpreted, right? Um, and then, then Arsene Wenger says, I'm sure my chief executive didn't want to dampen the expectations on that front. We are very active. If we find the right candidates, then we will spend the big money. We have already spent big. Which, it, you know, we've spent a lot of money on Granite Xhaka. That's fair yeah, enough. That's but, I mean, it's, it seemed like, I don't know. It's just really weird that Gazidis was on one side and Wenger was on the other side. I mean, does it speak to you of a uh, perhaps a lack of cohesion or a disconnection between uh, the chief executive and the manager? Uh, I mean, the weird thing is what Arsene comes out and says is probably sort of slightly out of character for him. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It yeah, feels yeah. like he's, he's trying to repair some damage there, probably against his, his will to an extent. I think... Probably everyone around the club senses that the atmosphere, as it has been over the last few years, is a bit volatile. And Gazidis basically put his foot in it. That's what it looks like to me. Mm. He, he said the wrong thing. He wasn't he wasn't properly briefed for the interview. Maybe he didn't go in with a clear strategic plan of how he's going to deal with that question. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he trod in some... Some do do, unfortunately. All right. So, I mean, do you do you take encouragement then from what the the manager says? He says we're very active every day, and it's not over. Uh, you know, he's ready to spend the big money if he finds the right players. I, yeah, I mean, I took encouragement from uh, the fact that he was touch, spoke about looking at offensive and defensive positions. Still, I think that mm. the, the, kind of the defensive situation maybe had been a little overlooked in the, in the hunt for a striker. But I, I find it difficult to take too much comfort simply because I've heard comments like that so many times. I mean, how many times have we woken up on transfer deadline day even and Arsenal still saying, well, if the right player comes, we can spend the money. And you think with 24 hours to go, mm. you know, <clears throat> he's not going to come. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is still plenty of time. There is still... OK, yeah, I was, yeah I get, there is, of course. And he makes that point. He says, today, well, this was when he was talking last week, he said, today we're on July 22nd. The transfer market finishes on August 31st. You know a lot happens in the last week, so it's a long time to go. So, I mean, does that, again, hint to you that we're going to play the long game here? Because he was talking about uh, poker, and he was talking about how other clubs have got, you know, that... The, in terms of the market in general, the handbrake is on a little bit. He says, we're not the only ones with the handbrake on. I mean, United have gone a bit crazy in terms of what they've spent, but uh, it feels, because of all the money that's out there and because of the spending power of all the clubs, it, it, it feels to me just still a little bit like the ball hasn't really got rolling yet in terms of transfers. So I do, I do think that there's going to be a snowball between now and the end of the transfer window. I think there's going to be a crazy amount of money spent. Uh, so do you think he's sort of waiting to see what happens in terms of other clubs or or maybe some of our deals are dependent on other clubs finding replacements for players that we might be interested in? It's so hard to know, isn't it? Because you talk to one person and they say, there's nothing going on. Other people are saying there's lots going on behind the scenes. It's difficult to really understand you know, what we're doing uh, because I think perhaps the fear is or perhaps the... The focus 
certainly is on being ready for the start of the season, which is August the 14th. But there's still two weeks of the transfer window to go, and I feel like we're probably going to use those two weeks as well. Yeah, I mean, last week we were saying we'd love to have all the pieces in place for the kickoff of the Premier League season, especially with so many players absent, you know, due to injury or participation in the Euros. I think that that ambition is fading quickly. You know, I, I don't mm. think we're going to do that now. You don't. Um, you don't think we're going to sign people before the start of the new season? I'd be surprised, given the way Arsenal's talking. Hmm. Wouldn't you? If he's making these points about the last two weeks being so crucial, like, mm. I don't know. It doesn't feel like anything's particularly imminent. Um, so that's a bit of a concern. I mean, there are two, you know, almost world record deals in, in Pogba and Higuain that will go through sometime very soon. Mm. That will set off a bit of a domino effect, I imagine, in terms of that money will, you know, start to you know, trickle through the leagues. And I, I do wonder if that, that will might, you know, precipitate a bit of a, a flood of transfers. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about that because, uh, you know, Juventus are going to sell Pogba and then use the money straight away to, you know, uh, to buy Higuain. I guess. And then what, that leaves Napoli looking for a striker. And I'm not sure that what Napoli do is going to resonate too far throughout the market. I mean, just on that, um, obviously Higuain is a player that we've been linked with. Countless times. I'm not sure that there was any real interest from us this summer, to be perfectly honest, uh, and especially not at the price uh, that he's gone for. €94 million Euros for a striker who's going to be 29 in December. I mean, I yeah. think he would have been a, a really brilliant purchase for us back in 2014, 2013. When we were, we were, yeah. So when we were in for, I, w- I would have loved to to have had him, and even this summer, I would love to have had him uh, if the price were in any way reasonable. But that just seems fucking crazy to me. Well, I guess as you say, they've got the Pogba money, haven't they? And it's you know they they can't really turn down a hundred million quid for Pogba, mm. and I, I guess they have to feel they have to reinvest that in the squad to appease the supporters. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting though, isn't it? I mean, you said earlier about you talking about Mares being four hundred thousand pounds, and you said like if um, if a player's a good player, I don't care how much he costs. To what extent does that work the other way? Yeah, that's a fair point. That is a fair point. I guess the the thing is, if you're if you've got a four hundred and fifty thousand pound player who turns out to be brilliant, then you, you've immediately got a bargain. I suppose the other thing when you buy it's a less player, risk, yeah. yeah, when you buy a player for ninety four million euros, what are you paying him? Two hundred thousand a week so you're adding you know for four years so you're adding another what 40 million euros on top of that 50 million euros in terms of salary you know bonuses all those kind of things so an investment of 150 million euros in a single player over a period of what two or three seasons when he might be at his peak that's the worry that it's not so much is the quality of that player good enough but could you do more with that money could you improve the team in other areas uh, in a more balanced way, perhaps, uh, w- with that kind of money. And I think you probably could. Yeah, and if it doesn't work out, you've kind of used the whole budget, haven't you? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that my attitude on this one is sort of slightly in flux in that I think I'm so frustrated with sometimes the way that we do business that I have almost, in my mind, kind of discarded this idea of value. Like, I almost think it's it feels like a an old idea in a market where it doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously it does, you know, you get your Marises or what have you, but for me, 
like, I, I'm not saying that I can justify the expense of Higuain. I don't think anyone can. He's too expensive. But if Arsenal went out and spent a silly amount of money like that on a player, I feel like my primary reaction would be one of, oh, wow, finally they, they mean business and they are just spending money purely to improve the team. Yeah. Whereas I feel like as, uh, as supporters, uh, and this is not to be critical of anyone, but I sometimes feel like we we have kind of inherited Arsene's trait to an extent of, of worrying about budgets and finances probably more than we need to certainly in the position we're in now yeah i yeah i agree with you i agree with you i think it's become ingrained in our psyche to a certain extent that we look for the value uh, of a signing and say well it wasn't really worth that or no you wouldn't pay that for him yeah but- I, did, so I did it with i did it with pogba so for example i saw what united were going to pay for pogba and i i think i even tweeted being like that's that's crazy. That is crazy. But then, as a United fan, I guess you're like, well, we Fuck can it. afford it. Yeah. yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, and I think it's because of the Emirates Stadium and because we were living under those financial conditions and because we have a manager who, you know, everything that he says kind of works on that doctrine. Um, I think it's important that we care about the kind of financial position of the club, but I don't think it's something we need to worry about as much as we do. Okay, but do, do you worry now that the the state of the market itself becomes anathema to Arsene Wenger to a certain extent, that we know that he's he's invested in the value of a player. We know that when the value of a player, or when a club asks above and beyond what he feels that player is worth, it's very, very rare that he goes through with a deal for that player. Mm. We know that deals have fallen down on financial, like Higuain was one, for example. Um, you know, the price went up and he wasn't prepared to, to match the price that Napoli were prepared to pay in 2013. So do you, do you worry perhaps that he's looking at this market going, well, fuck, you know, there's a guy who two seasons ago might have cost X and now he's costing X, Y, and Z. And that this natural reluctance on his part to spend money above and beyond what he considers the right price might be inhibiting him in the in the transfer market? Uh, I think it could be. I mean, the market is obviously going crazy. You know, look at a guy like Wijnaldum, played a season at Newcastle, was relegated, and his value doubled. You know, that's what's happening this summer. Bids of £20 million for Saido Barrino are being rejected out of hand. Mm. I think the main thing that's happening to the market is that uh, a sense of kind of a sliding scale of value. So, oh, well, that's a £10 million player. That's a £15 million player. That's a £30 million player. Any sort of sense of correlation between quality and price, mm-hmm. I think, is kind of gone. A player is individually worth what that club is prepared to sell him for or another club prepared to pay for him. And yeah. I don't think it feels comparative in any way. I don't think that sort of the value of Higuain and Pogba, for example, is is equitable. I think it's each case is individual. And that will throw us in, I imagine, because he likes to look at a player in certain price brackets. Um, sure. And the more the summer goes on, the more I wonder, you know, there was a lot about that appealed about Jamie Vardy, but one of those things, surely, was was his price. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, actually, because, yeah, you used to be able to, the, the sliding scale, as you say, was obvious. Mm. Uh, and now it's not. It's really not. You know, no, you, you don't know what anyone's going to cost. No, exactly. I mean, people were bidding thirty-one million pounds for Troy Deeney. I yeah. mean, perfectly serviceable Premier League player, but thirty-one million pounds. I mean, that's pretty much what we paid for Alexis Sanchez. 
you know, there are people talking about $35 million for Musa Sissoko. Again, a guy who played with Newcastle last season, got relegated, had a very good um, uh, yes. Euros and, uh, and stood out a bit in the final, mostly, I think, because at least he fucking ran around a bit and the French team were were crippled by whatever. Um, and, and all of a sudden, he's a £35 million player. So it's very difficult to judge or very difficult to make any sense of, of the market. And I think that's what's happening with, with clubs as well, is that when players or when other clubs come along and say, we want to buy your player, they're, they're quoting them ridiculous prices. Because they know uh, as well that they can compete financially with these clubs, that there's no need um, for anybody to, to sell players. So can you imagine like three years ago, four years ago, five years ago even, somebody coming to Watford with a bit of thirty-one million pounds for one of their players, it would have. There's just no way that it wouldn't happen because mm. that would be such a huge injection of money into that club. And now it's like, well, fuck, we don't need that because we've got this. You know, we're sharing in eight or eleven billion pounds worth of television revenue over the next three years. So it's making it easier for clubs to keep players because they don't need to sell them from a financial point of view, and they can also compete by offering these players better terms. I don't know. It's it's like a fucking housing bubble that's just going to go splat at some point. But it's impossible at this point to try and make any any sense of it or try and understand it. I don't, you know, I feel like we don't understand what's happening anymore. No. It's it, changing so fast that that our old preconceived ideas of what's appropriate in the market are are invalid right now yeah. because it is just I mean it's 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 out of control. It's completely transforming in front of our eyes. Um and I mean, if any, if I think of one person who'd hate that more than anyone else, it's Arsene Wenger. <laughs> and the, the other issue is he talks about playing poker. Now I don't play poker. You know, I don't sit there with my marmalade playing poker. But as far as I understand it, a lot of it is about deception and about keeping your cards close to your chest and people not knowing your intentions or what you have. Mm. The, the problem Arsenal have is everyone knows they're absolutely loaded. Everyone knows what they need. Yeah. Uh, so if it is a game of poker. We're not in a brilliant position. No, I don't think so. I mean, but in some ways that should make it simple for us. It should just simplify what we need to do. I don't think what we need to do is is necessarily that complicated, is it? You don't look at the squad and think, well, where do we need to actually buy a player? How could we strengthen this team? You know, it's it's obvious what we need and and how we need to do it. So uh, sure, but if you're a selling club, that gives you a very powerful position, I guess. Of course, but they all have that now. That's the thing; they all have yeah. that, and all the clubs in Europe have that because they all know that that English clubs are absolutely fucking loaded. So they all know it. It's not like we can, you know, play poor mouth or we can pretend we don't have very much money. You know, when it comes right down to it, we've got enough money to buy pretty much whoever we want if we're prepared mm-hmm. to spend that money. And I think that's where it comes down to, if we're prepared to, to spend the money. Well, I mean, I've said this so many times over the years, but this year more than ever, more than ever, we can afford it. Yes, we can. In fairness, though, we did go out and spend £2.5 million on Rob Holding. <laughs> Rob Holding. Well, yeah, good to, see, good to see him arrive. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him this season. I feel, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like he's going to come into the squad and maybe allow Callum Chambers to go out on loan. <sighs> yeah, maybe. A little bit of a s- strange one there, but uh, it looks like he's being... Uh, incorporated straight away into the first-team squad. He's handed the number 16 shirt, yeah. worn with distinction down the years by Aaron Ramsey, 
Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, did he wear that? I think he wore Matthew 16. Flamini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, it's a number sixteen. He's not come in. He's not been given number forty three or something like that. So he's coming straight into the to the first team squad. Stories this morning that Matthew Debushi is a target for Bordeaux on a on a permanent deal. They're coming back into him. Uh, he wants to leave. Would you have any real problem with that? I don't think I would. Uh, no, I, I think in issue. some respects I'd probably have more of a problem with him staying mm. after the way he kicked off last year. Because if he's if he was that desperate first team football and now he suddenly revises his opinion on that, yeah. I'd be very surprised and a bit concerned. So I think he will go. Um, Holding did play it right back a fair amount last season for Bolton. That's where he made his debut, and he, yeah. you know, he was there for a few months before injuries allowed him to play in the centre. So maybe he's a a consideration there, an option. I think he's naturally a, a centre half. Yeah, yeah. I think that he said that in his interview. He can play at right back, but he is more naturally a, a centre half. And I do wonder if between him and Chambers, they're the they're the the backup options for for Hector Bellerin. I would like to see Chambers stay. If we're would not you? making, yeah, I like him. I think he's a, a good player. I think he, he performed pretty well last season, all things considered. It's just whether or not he's going to get enough time playing to to develop. Um, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh countenance a permanent sale but yeah I just wonder if he might benefit more from kind of regular Premier League football I feel like if he gets games for us they're more likely to be at right back than centre half and I'm not sure how useful that is in his mm. development right now yeah um, so we'll see we'll see what happens okay well so you know some things afoot there what do very quickly before we go on um to the second part of the show and the questions and the the tasting mm. um what do you make of, very quickly of Per Mertesacker's comments where he's talking about uh, the, finishing second? We were quite lucky. He said it was kind of a miracle we finished runners-up. And then he's talking about the other clubs. He said, of course, those big clubs will be stronger this time. Uh, that's what I expect. They'll start the season with a lot of new players. So we need to be stronger. And I'm looking forward to seeing how, we, how well we compete for the title with not a lot of signings and a lot of young players. I mean, <laughs> it's difficult to ascertain the tone of that, isn't it? I mean, it sounds extremely sarcastic. Yes, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> but knowing, you know, having seen Per in action, I can't imagine him being that... Uh, oh, I think that he's quite forthright. He's quite blunt when he wants steely. to be. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I mean, he's only saying what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and uh, I know you wrote on your blog this morning about back in 2013. A lot of the players, including the captain Michael Atesta, coming out and making similar comments. I mean, it looks as if Mertzaka is going to inherit the armband himself potentially, and maybe mm. he's just taking that taking that role on. I uh, yeah, I guess if you are an Arsenal player, you probably are a little bit concerned right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there would be. I mean, players as much as anybody. People like to think they they operate within their own bubbles or that, like, calling for new players is a bit like turkeys voting for Christmas. But ultimately, players want to win and they want to they want to be competitive. They want to compete with the biggest teams. The biggest problem I think players have is when they, you know, when they lose or when, they're, when it becomes clear to them that they're in a team that isn't capable of competing for the biggest titles. So mm. I think this is very much a, look, <laughs> come on, we know well here that we need more in order to compete for the Premier League, in order to do better and go further in the Champions League, you know, to, to maintain an interest in two cup competitions, they know, and I think that's the first little hint of, I won't say unrest, 
but a sort of a public declaration from the players themselves. Uh, and I'm sure that Mertesacker, I'm not saying he's speaking on behalf of anyone other than himself, but you can imagine that he's aware of how players like Mesut Ozil feel, like Petr Cech feels, like Lauren Koscielny feels, uh, Giroud, you know, experienced players within the squad who know, who've seen this team over the years and who know that they need more. So I think that I think it's very interesting comments, to be honest. Yeah, and I slightly suspect he won't be the last. Mm. He won't be the last to come out and say something like that. Mm. All right. Well, look, uh, that'll do us for part one. We're going to come back in part two with your questions and toast eating. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is part two where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter at GunnarBlog and at Arsblog and also on the Arsblog Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the Arsblog. But more importantly, this time, this particular section is going to be groundbreaking. You're going to have marmalade for the, for the first time? For the first time. Oh, my God. And it's live. It's live! But we're going to do it after we do a few questions. We're going to, like, drag it out a bit. We're going to tease it. it. This is classic, you know, keep people listening stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So we're going to do that. What are we uh, exactly going to do? You've got... You're going to toast some bread and then... I've got toast here lined up. I mean, it's gone a little bit cold in the course of the podcast, but it's it's serviceable. Okay. Is Is it buttered toast? Right. Now, listen... As you know, hey, I'm look. I'm not criticizing. I'm just asking. People are people are concerned. So listen, as you know, it's a butter. I am a butter and jam man. Yeah. However, <gasps> in this instance, <gasps> because I want to fully appreciate the jam, <gasps> I don't want to compromise it with any other ingredient. So I've gone butter free. Wow, this is fucking. This is mind blowing to me. I know, I know. I mean, I, I, re- I didn't even realise I'd done it until I sat down and I thought I've betrayed my my people. Right. But I think it's you know this isn't what I would do out of choice. This is purely because this is a taste test. I think right. Similarly, normally I'd go for a sort of lovely whole grain seeded loaf. I've gone for a very clean white loaf just because I uh, really, to be honest, the bread for me is cutlery at this point. Okay. I'm just using it to spoon the jam into my mouth. <laughs> All right. Well, look, this is this is all to come later in the show. I'm really curious to see what you know how you're going to react to this. And of course, we've got to figure out which you like better, strawberry or raspberry. Yeah, I'm going to attempt a blind taste of those as well and see if I can tell the difference. How the hell are you going to do that? I'm I'm not sure, <laughs> but I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try and butter it and then eat it blind. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, look, let's get on with some questions and. Um, uh, this one, the first one comes from Lee Hennigan, and quite a number of people have asked this question. Uh, he's at Lee Hennigan, and he wants to know, uh, oh, no, that's a complete, sorry, Lee Hennigan. You didn't ask the same question. He just uh. asked a question with the names of two people. Okay, here, his question is, Mares and Lacazette to sign today or no signings and the entire squad to go injury-free all season? Oh, wow. Okay. The entire squad's going injury-free. Um, oh. But we don't get back our injured players already, so we don't get well back, back, do we, in that? I think you could probably make a case for that, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's actually very difficult, you know, I think, because 
injuries are such a big problem for us. If we had our first eleven able to play in every match, mm. <sighs> but what would your first eleven be? You know, if we didn't make any more signings. Okay, so oh well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> do you want me to actually tell you? No. I don't know. We do that all the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I like a signing. I unashamedly like a signing, so I probably would go would err on that side, but I, I know that I would do that and then see the entire squad decimated by injuries and be left <laughs> regretting my decision. I mean, Lacazette's a funny one. It's one that keeps coming up, um, and it makes loads of sense in some respects. But I just have this lingering suspicion that if, if we really wanted him, it would have happened before now, either mm. this summer or in a previous summer. Yeah, I mean, that was the other question I was going to come to was uh, a lot of people have asked, if you could only sign one of either Mares or Lacazette, who would you take and why? So let me try and answer those questions. So I think right. the first one, I think actually I would keep the squad injury free. I know that that first 11 probably isn't. Oh. Would I? Yeah, I would. I wouldn't. I'd take, really? the, two, I'd take the two signings, yeah. Because that's, uh, that's not to say that, like... By making those signings, you're going to have no injuries, or this everyone's going to get injured. Andrew, come on! <laughs> true, true, true. I still think, though, that the the injection, the the the, it would just increase the what's it? The thingamajig would be you know higher in the hoo ha. But know? last season, say as bad as it was at times, had we not lost, say, uh, Kazula and Cochla and Alexis. And Alexis and Koscielny at that time that we did in November, I think we would have been significantly closer than we were. Mm. The problem is you do lose those players, and you have to factor that into your planning. But yeah. If you could guarantee that you didn't, I don't know. I, I'd probably go for that, but I, I see your argument nonetheless. Yeah. What about on the Mares or Lacazette thing? Where would you stand on that? Mares. Yeah. Mares. Yeah. Even with you know the old. Cart horse himself, Olivier Giroud, the international striker cart horse. Um, uh, you'd, you'd stick with him, would you? Over? Yeah, because I think uh, Mares is a better player than Lacazette. And I think Lacazette is, you know, he's one of those, he's a Welbeckian option, as we right. spoke about earlier. I think he's not really the world, world-class striker that, that everybody wants us to sign or would like us to sign. But I think he's a pretty decent player. Not brilliant, but pretty decent. Uh, so that's where I would be on that. Um, I, I think Mares is a guy who would considerably improve us in the final third in terms of end product and and what he can uh, what he can create. Would did you, you ever see any... he scored the? Go did you see the goal he scored against Celtic? At no, the weekend? I didn't see it. Uh, it's a brilliant goal. Is it? it? You know, it's one of those goals where having just been linked with a player, you sort of it makes you swoon somewhat. Uh, he's going down the right hand side. I think he produces a little drag back to come in field and then just bends it in the top corner. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch it here. Watch it live. I mean, it'll make you... Yeah. Oh, terrible it. YouTube music. Okay, I'm watching it. Okay. Oh, this is him. Is he off down the right? Yeah, picking up the ball, coming towards the edge of the box. Step overs inside. Boof. Oh, yeah. Please give me some of that. Give me, I yeah. want it. I want it now. <laughs> Bring it to me. Just give me that. I want Let that. I want him to do that. It's a, it's a, yeah, from the opposite flank. It's, it's positively Perezian, isn't it? It's, yeah, it, it is. It is, yeah. <sighs> yeah, so I would take Mares over, over Lacazette. But, you know, I tend to agree with you a bit as well with, with Lacazette that if we'd really wanted him, we probably would have by now. I just wonder if it's a case or if, this, if the, the, the world has changed to a certain point where we go, okay, 
well, we can't find anyone else, he'll do. I wonder, is he a make-do option? Yeah, which, to be fair, you know, Welbeck himself kind of was. Um, and he's not been a bad signing, you know, if he'd managed to stay fit at all. So mm. uh, I think we do need an option in there. I'd love it to be a top-class elite player, but I I can't see the guy out there. Mm. Um and the other thing that's interesting about Lacazette is that he, in Italy at least, is being talked of as a potential Higuain replacement at Napoli. So if Na- if Napoli come in for him, it will kind of force Arsenal's hand one way or the other. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I would take Mares like you. I would take Mares like you. Yeah. As much as I do think we need a centre-forward, and I really do, um, There's a for me there's a gap in quality between those two particular mm. players. Mm. And Mares is the superior one. Sure. Okay. I think it's your turn for a question. It is my turn, yeah. Um, what do I think? Okay, well, we talked about Ch- Callum Chambers, and Arsene Knows on Twitter asks, who do you think will go out on loan before the transfer deadline in the senior squad? Who will go out on loan? Um, so you think Chambers might stay? He must stick around? I, no, I think I'd like him to stay, but it wouldn't surprise me. It would be like quite the Arsene Wenger thing to do is to sign someone like Holding, and then... Uh, let let Callum Chambers go. I mean, he's quite versatile, though, Chambers, but, you know, we don't need him in midfield. I do wonder about the right-back situation, though, Mm. whether, you know, would you worry that if Holding was the backup to Hector Bellerin, that perhaps, you know, Chambers seemed to hit something of a hurdle, didn't he, or an obstacle after some games at right-back where things didn't go particularly well for him. You think of the game against Swansea. That he never, Montero, yeah, he yeah, never, really quite, never really quite recovered from that. And you do wonder that if Holding is, in the long term, seen as a central defensive option, uh, then you know, does it do him any good to be playing uh, at right-back? And is he the kind of right-back that fits into the way that this team plays? I mean, if, if your first-choice right-back is someone like Hector Bellerin, who's super quick, and provides you with an outlet and a threat down the right-hand side, and then you're playing a central defender or someone like Callum Chambers, who is quite different, they have to play that position a bit differently because they don't have the same skill set. I, I just wonder a little bit about that. Wouldn't surprise me, of course, to see Debussy go. If he goes, that would be that would be fine. Uh, I don't really have a, a problem with that. Who else? I mean, I think... The goalkeeping issue. I think Chesney's going to go to Roma again. He's going to go on loan. Um, uh, Gnabry. Gnabry, yeah. Uh, Chuba Akpom. Yaya Sanogo, I think, will go. Uh, beyond that, I certainly don't see any of our midfielders moving. And no, I think that's it. I think the only question is, will Sanogo and Akpom both go? You know, I guess it depends on... Who comes in? Well, I mean, Sonogo's not even included in the squad for the uh, for the U.S. tour. Wasn't involved well, in friendly. Presumably, uh, he's injured. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Akpom as well. You know, you look at the forward line for uh, you know for that American tour, and it's it's Walcott, Akpom, Joel Campbell, and uh, is it Iwobi? Um, you know, so you know, it's lacking. Certainly, it's it's lacking. So we can't uh, we can't let anyone go till we bring somebody in uh, in, in that area as well. But mm. yeah, I mean, maybe one of the keepers, Chesney Martinez again. Emmy Martinez might go out um, to get him some loans. So yeah, uh, some playing time rather. So yeah, I think that's that's probably where we'll be. Anyone you see going that might be a surprise? Um, just having a look at it. 
No, I don't think so. Certainly not on the loan front. I think uh, I think those are the obvious ones. I don't think there'll be anyone else. Mm. Martin, even Martinez, I do wonder if he might be kept around this season um, as a kind of third choice. But we shall see. Right. Uh, OK, based on, just as we're talking about uh, forwards and that kind of stuff, uh, Andre Kudela at Cudi underscore 2010 wants to know, with our current options, would you start Theo Walcott up front against Liverpool or maybe give a chance to Joel Campbell? So we don't sign anyone. Who do you play up front against Liverpool? Well, I feel pretty confident that Arsene will play Theo. I thought uh, you were going to say... Arsene will play. <laughs> yeah, Arsene's going, oh, look, I know we're short, I'll do a job up top. Just stick it up to me, I'm like a 66-year-old Alan Smith. The target man. Um, yeah, I I think Arsene will go with Walcott, but I... Yeah, I'd be tempted by Campbell. I mean, it's not his natural position, is it, to play as a lone striker? It's not really his game. I think he's better in those kind of withdrawn roles where he can play mm. those through balls and, you know, look to, to cut inside, have a shot, but... He's got to be in contention. I certainly, you know, he's he's a name we didn't mention in terms of letting people go. I wouldn't be considering uh, selling him this summer, given the lack of alternatives. Walcott. Oh, sorry, Campbell. Oh, Campbell, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I Probably Walcott neither. I mean, you know, I know before the end of last season, I thought he was an absolute cert to go. But I just think if you haven't got the other players, you can't put yourself in a position where you're you're letting options you do have go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's the reality. Maybe it's not a pleasant reality, but that is the reality. I don't think we can let either of those two players go. Um, certainly not until further additions are made, and then we come back to whether or not further additions are going to be made. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I probably, I probably on balance would go with Walcott still, just because I don't know. I'm kind of hoping there's been some sort of magical alchemic transformation over the summer, <laughs> and suddenly he does know how to play centre forward. But also because I. I really like Campbell, but I don't really think that playing as a lone striker is necessarily well suited to him. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. What would you go for? <sighs> yeah, I mean, he seems the only. If we don't bring anybody in, Juru is going to be too short physically. If we throw him in at the, the start of the season, it would be ridiculous. So he is the best option that we have based on, on what's there. I don't think Campbell is really a, a centre-forward. I know he plays there a bit, doesn't he, internationally? He played there he has, during he the World Costa, Cup. Uh, Costa Rica, he played as a lone striker mm. for them, yeah. But I don't think Arsene Wenger would view him as an option, really. I think he sees him as uh, somebody who can play from from the from the flanks, and that's just about it. Um, interesting goal by Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Very good goal. Mm. Very good goal. Apparently a chip that he's been... Practicing, uh, he should practice the rest of his finishing. To be honest, because we need more goals from him. Yeah, uh, yeah, brilliant goal in a, in a sort of unremarkable friendly. I mean, we've barely touched on it. Have oh, I didn't. I, t- I I turned it on, and I was watching it on on the laptop, and I said, "Fuck this!" You know, yeah. just fuck it. Like, the, there's nobody new to watch, or there was nobody exciting. There's no new signing there. You go, "Oh, this will be the first chance we get to see him," or. Or anything like that. So after about eleven minutes, I switched it off and I watched a film called Zootopia instead. Oh yeah, Is that animated movie. It's it's quite funny in places. The sloths in it are very very funny. Okay, nice. So that's well, what I did. 
Yeah, I think that is probably a more productive use of time. I saw more of the game than that, but I didn't see the entire thing. Did you see uh, the defender knock himself out off the post? That was remarkable. I did see that, That's yeah. so that good. Always good. That reminds me of Phil Babb. Do you remember Phil Babb? He <laughs> sliding back towards his own goal against Chelsea, I think it was once, and his legs either ended up either side of the post. Yes, yes. Rather Pancake testicles, I think he yes. had after that. Uh, that was the official diagnosis. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know what to say about it, really. I mean, I guess we saw a couple of younger players involved in the first team. Christian Bielik, Arsene was positive about. Mm. I think Chris Willock got off the bench as well. Um, but, you know, it was just literally a... It was an exercise in exercise, basically. That's pretty much all it is. That's pretty much all it is. Um, OK, your Over question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is from... It comes from Canute Moland, or... Or Nut, K-N-U-T, don't know how you pronounce that, on Twitter. Trevor. Uh, and one. Trevor, is it? I thought so. We've talked a lot in quite, you know, dispassionate clinical terms about the transfer activity, but he says, on a scale between Phil Collins and Robert Pires, and what scale that is, <laughs> how worried are you about our lack of efficiency in the transfer market? Is it time to panic yet? Um, <laughs> I don't understand the scale. Like, what's no. how how how... How much more worried is Robert Perez than Phil Collins? I, I don't even how like I say saying, "worry you." Yeah, I don't like saying those names together. No, no it's I don't like it. it for you. Yeah. Okay, well, look, let's let's simplify it. Let's make it one to ten. One being, let's replace Phil Collins with one, which may seem generous in your eyes, and give uh, make Robert Perez ten, uh, which may seem harsh in your eyes. But so it's one to ten. How how worried are you? How worried am I? And I guess one is also if it's not Phil Collins, it's also like. A shark is in the water near you and you are bleeding profusely. And ah, okay, so one is more worried than ten. Is that what you're saying? We've got like a reverse... Oh, that would be weird. Yes, I guess so. I made Phil Collins one, so... That's super... That's the most worried I could be. Yeah, exactly. Let, let's do this the other way around. One is Robert Perez. Right, and one is like, and ten is Phil Collins. So one is like, you're hanging out with Robert Perez. You're so happy you couldn't be worried. Yeah. Ten is you're in a room with Phil Collins. And a shark. And a shark, and you are bleeding, and Phil Collins is circling you. Right. I guess I would be around an, a seven and a half to an eight, I think. Okay, okay, that's pretty worried. That's more than not worried. It, it certainly is. And, yeah. I mean, I, there's part of me, maybe it's just the... A hopeless optimist in me that goes they have to they've just got to they've got they've got to buy the players they know we need the players we tried to buy some players already that didn't work out but we'll just buy some other players it's so obvious it's so blindingly self-evident that we have to do this that i can't see any good reason why they wouldn't right and then there's the other part of me that goes arsenal And we've been here before, and we've had summers like this before. And you you think back to that fateful opening day on uh, 2013, in August 2013, and it was the same kind of thing, the same kind of vibe. People were going, why the fuck are you? We haven't bought anyone. We haven't got any players. What's going on? Why haven't we bought any players? We need some players. We we need the players. It's obvious. We've got the money. Buy the players. Buy the players. And then we lose 3-1 in an opening day debacle to to Aston Villa, and everything goes fucking mental. Mad, mm-hmm. crazy. So I think about that a bit as well, you know? So that's why I'm worried that the, even though it seems like the like it's just, you can't do this any other way, 
we we do things the other way. So I yeah, like That's I said, we talk thing. we talk a lot and we talk a good game, but we don't necessarily translate that talk into action enough for me and that's that's where i would get that's where i get a bit worried our our ability to snatch nothing from the jaws of something is unparalleled so that's why that's why i'd be worried yeah i mean i that one to just sound like an echo i would put myself at a similar place on the scale Mm. which i guess is that you know you're at a dinner party with Phil Collins and you've sat next to him and you can't leave. I guess that's kind of a seven and a half. Yeah. Um, the shark isn't there yet. The shark's not arrived. There's one chair left. It's like, who's that guest? Later in the evening, it turns out it's a shark and things accelerate. Yeah. But at this stage, you know, it's just a bit concerning. But I I where have you? your... Yeah. I have your... <laughs> sorry, go on. No, I was just going to ask where you are. Where are you on the scale? The same, seven right. and a half, something like that. I mean, I, I think that... Um, yeah, I share your conviction that well, they they have to do something. But I've thought that in the past. Yeah, I, I've been burnt by this before, yeah. <laughs> and it all feels very familiar. So, I, I'd love it to be. I'd love it to be different. Yeah, uh, but I don't have enormous confidence that it will be. Mm. We're like, uh, uh, what's Pavlov's dog in a way? We are. Mm. We are kind of. Um, and I don't want I don't want my dog to be eaten by a shark or Phil Collins. That's the whole thing. I mean, I want to believe. I want to be. I want to be in it. I want to, but I, I, I fear. I've got the fear, James. The fear is creeping, isn't it? It is growing. Yeah, I can see it all over my Twitter timeline, spreading mm. like a sort of zombie disease. Well, we should point out, of course, that like Twitter is not necessarily reflective of real life. No, not it's not always. a barometer of any accuracy. Yeah, but, but uh, I understand where you're coming from, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, all right. Here's here's one from Eric Betancourt, who is at Eric Betancourt, which is handy for him. He says, with rumours of Martial's unrest at United, could he be the striker that AFC needs? If so, at what price? Did you see this story? They took the number nine shirt off him. Gave it yeah. to Zlatan, and they didn't even tell him. And then Martial changed his header on Twitter and changed his header on Instagram uh, to pictures of him wearing the number nine shirt. So maybe maybe he's fallen out with Mourinho already. Should we swoop in there? Well, I, I, I was even told that he unfollowed Manchester United on Instagram. So <gasps> Relationship over. Yeah, that's it. I mean, quite a public breakup. Well, I tell you what, I don't think it's... Look, if there's any manager who who could burn his bridges with a player that quickly, it's probably Mourinho. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen it in the past with guys like Juan Mata. Uh, I can't envisage a scenario where United are selling uh, Martial to another Premier League club, but if they did, I'd be I'd be in in a flash. I think he's a terrific player. Yeah. He does Not strike necessarily. You. Yeah, yeah exactly. Not necessarily. I mean, Arsene Wenger said in the past he'd use him more as a... Uh, a wide man than a front man necessarily, but there's something Henri-esque about him. Mm. Yeah, that age, isn't he? Coming in, I mean, not really it, a forward, but... And how yeah. we scoffed and how we laughed when they paid what they paid for him last summer. That's the funny, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, in some ways, I feel like that transfer was kind of a precursor to what we're seeing this year. That was the start of it all, yeah. Yeah, because uh, it was something crazy, wasn't it? Like 50 million euros? I think, it, I think the deal essentially is worth about 60 million uh, overall, but I think the what they paid up front was thirty million, something like that. And there's a lot, yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot of add-ons, a lot of bonuses, a lot of if this then that kind of stuff. 
So, yeah. yeah. But I saw, I mean, you know, it was some two-bit website, but, you know, a, a thing coming out the other day with the most valuable under-21 players in the world or something like that, and mm. you know, he's right at the top of that list. It's funny, you know, uh, that's a deal that looked incredibly expensive and now doesn't necessarily look quite so expensive, but yeah. surely there's no world in which he ends up at the Emirates Stadium, is there? No. I don't think so. <laughs> no. I don't think so. Well, look, you can't rule anything out these days. Nothing no. can be ruled out. The The whole fucking thing has gone completely crazy, so anything could happen, but I don't think it will because um, I feel like Arsenal's transfer business is exempt from the craziness of the world. Sure. Yeah, it's got like a special pass from whoever. Those, from yeah. Rationality, yeah. All right. Well, you, go on. I've got another one. Yeah, yeah, this is Jerry Henry on Twitter, and they ask, what are your views on Adams turning down the coaching role with the youth team, and do Arsenal have a problem in retaining ex-players post-retirement? I mean, we've dealt with that second part a couple of times, but what do you think about Adams turning down the job? Well, I'm guessing that the job in China is extremely, extremely well paid. Yes. My feeling is that the salary for an assistant manager for Arsenal's under-18s would be reasonable, but not especially brilliant or tempting. And given the money that's in Chinese football and given what we've seen uh, in terms of some of the, the players that have gone there for the prices that they've gone there, like Graziano Pella, as we talked about, the mm. fifth most um, best-paid player in the world um, by going to some Chinese club. So I assume can only assume that Tony Adams was made an offer by this Chinese club that was far, far in excess of what he was going to be paid at Arsenal. And he's not averse to like going to strange places, Tony, is he? I mean, he's, he's been to Wickham and he's been to Kazakhstan. So, he, you know, he's, he's well prepared to travel. Uh, and look, if it was a case that someone offered you 50 grand a year and then someone came in and offered you 500 grand a year, I, I pretty much know what you'd choose regardless of loyalty, regardless of your connection to the club, regardless of, of anything else. So, yeah, maybe it is a bit of a problem uh, for Arsenal, but this is, I guess, this is the reality of, of the football world. We can't compete with Thierry Henry's £4 million a year at Sky, and we can't compete with whatever this, um, whatever this uh, Chinese club are offering Tony Adams. So I don't blame him. I wouldn't blame him. Like, go, where, you... the, go where the money is. No, I mean, do you feel... Uh... Is it better or worse than turning the job down to work for Sky, or exactly the same for you? Um, I don't know. Who owns this Chinese club? Is it Rupert Murdoch? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't, I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's any worse. And I do wonder. Somebody said to me the other day uh, on Twitter, "I've never known so much about the Arsenal assistant under 18s manager, yeah. or the assistant manager of the Arsenal under 18s." It's like, ah, uh, yeah. Look, it's the profile of these two guys. Obviously, is huge. Uh, they're they're club legends. Uh, but look, r reality and life. Uh, you know that that's what you have to deal with, not just emotion and connections. That have been, I won't say they've, they're from a good while ago. You know, it's from a long time ago. So, I would have been really surprised if it, Adams had come in, just because his comments in the past he's been he's been relatively critical of the club at times and quite distant in some ways. So. Yeah, he has. Wasn't there that thing of the the final day at Highbury? He didn't. All the ex players were there and he didn't show up. Yeah, and, something you like know. that. So the, yeah, there's been like the relationship between Tony Adams and Arsenal has been a little bit strange. Over over the years, so yeah, I thought it was a bit of an odd one that he was going to come in and and be part of the uh, the under eighteen setup, and I always felt like 
his opinion of what he could do is greater than that, even if it's not necessarily, you know, been proven mm. by by the work he's done. You know, I don't think he's really made a, a great name for himself as a manager. Um, I think perhaps he might be a good coach. Uh, maybe that's where his strengths lie more than than managing. Um, so yeah, I, I always thought it was a bit strange. So I'm not surprised that it broke down. To be perfectly honest. There you go. All right. All right. Well, look, will we do it? Yes, shall we? Can Let's I... do it. Right. So I need to let me. This might be a point where we might have to insert some music as I prepare this taste test. Okay. Well, what Can I we will do, do I'll, I'll put in a, a sort of a fanfare to prepare okay. us for this preserve gate, this jam off, this marmalade rama, whatever you might call it. And we'll come back with James. And toast and jam right after this. It's live! It's live! All right, we're back. It's on. It's on. Okay, explain um, where we're coming from with this. You said last week you've never had marmalade in your entire life. Your 30 years of existence, you've never had marmalade on anything. Not on a sandwich, not on a piece of toast, not on a piece of brown bread, nothing. Nothing. I've not dipped my finger in it just to give it a little taste. What are you expecting? Great question. Um, I've eaten a Jaffa cake. I guess I'm expecting it to be like the inside of a Jaffa cake. Yeah, it's an orangey kind of marmalade type thing in there, yeah. Um, I'm expecting it to be... Tangy. Mm-hmm. I've been. I, I've had conversations in the week uh, about marmalade, and I was warned. A friend of mine, Owen, said to me, "I'm not sure you'll like it." He said it's quite a, you know, there's a there's, the peel gives it a particular hint of something that he was like, "I'm not sure you'll go for it." If you're I wonder what the it. hint of uh, hint of what like a pe- well, could it be orange? I don't know. I think it might be orange. <laughs> Guys, you know, I'm more accustomed to orange as a as a colour than a flavour. That's clearly what we're learning here. But, so what I've got, I've got three small bits of toast. Okay. One has got marmalade on it, very clearly. Mm-hmm. One has got strawberry jam and one's got raspberry jam. Okay. And I, and I cannot, because uh, I also said last week I couldn't, I didn't believe I'd be able to discern between the two. Um so it's for me to taste those and see if I can figure it out. Okay. Well, let's go with the let's go with the marmalade first because I, you know. Okay, that's what oh, people are waiting for. Yeah, exactly. And then I'm actually a bit nervous. Thing. Are you? It'll be yeah. okay. I promise. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I don't trust it to look at it. It's sort of I've gone quite thick with it. Right. And it's kind of wobbly. Yeah. Uh, it's orange. I mean, that won't surprise you guys. Yeah. Shall I go for it? Do it. Let's do it, and let's okay. see. Let's see how this uh, changes your life. Okay. Ooh. Oh, wow. That's a lot... <laughs> That's a lot stronger than I anticipated. It's more orangey than you thought? Mmm. 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 A lot more orangey. So this is best-in thin-cut marmalade. I'd say that's... Okay, that's gone. I th- I'm really surprised by that. That's a, a taste sensation. In a good way. Initially, I was like, wow, this is very strong and delicious and sweet and nice. But there's a kind of acidy tang afterwards that I wasn't necessarily as keen on. Right. Because you've got to bear in mind, the jams that I'm used to, we're talking about raspberry, strawberry, they're just sort of sweet without that kick. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. it caught me off guard. Um, but I... 
I did enjoy it. I would have it again. Right. I would have it again. But I think, well, I mean, I have to. I bought a big jar of it. It would be so, a waste not to. There are starving well, children throughout the world, yeah. Um, I liked it. What else can I say about it? I just was really surprised by how much punch it had. Mm. For some reason, I thought it would be milder than that. Right. Well, there you go. Do you like marmalade? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's good. Do you eat, do you eat it? Not very often. I used to eat it a lot more because uh, there was always a jar of it at home because my dad always liked marmalade on toast or marmalade on, on brown bread. So there was always a jar when I when I lived at home when I was younger. Now sure. I don't tend to buy jam and marmalade as, as much uh, because I don't, don't really eat it uh, a lot. But, yeah, I, I like marmalade. It's good. Maybe your palate just needs to, you know... Develop. Yeah, I think it's like coffee or whiskey or something. Yeah. You know, it's an acquired <laughs> taste. You need to get into it. All right. I mean, if you had to give it a mark out of 10. Um, I'd give it a... Not that high. I'd give it like a 7. Seven's quite high. That's quite high. Is it? That's like... Yeah. yeah. That's okay. If someone asked you to... If someone you said to someone, rate me out of 10, I'd be very happy with a 7. Really? I yeah. feel like 7 feels a bit average. I feel like I'd... If someone gave me less than an eight, I'd feel like, oh, I've let myself down there. Right. No, I, I'd be quite happy with a seven. Seven's good. It's a good number. It's the Robert Perez number. I'd seven. give you a seven. Thanks. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm happy with that. Okay. Well, it's I'm a good number, Liam Brady and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, shall, I, shall I try these other jams, see if I can okay. figure out what's going on? So this, so, is, this is where we're going to try and so decide. Yeah, go on. I've got two bits of toast with red jam on, and I need to eat one and tell you what it is hang yeah. on i'll have a bite of it now okay now mm, okay okay sounds quite red it's a, it tastes red yeah the problem is am i allowed to guess that or can i taste the other red taste and then... taste the other red and then see if you can discern okay. which was which okay hang on Oh, okay. Maybe I can tell. I can definitely tell a qualitative difference. So, this second red Mm -hmm. is actually sweeter, I think. Yeah. Uh, And I think it tastes more... It tastes more just like red sugar. (laughs) And to me, that says strawberry rather than raspberry. Okay. Can I turn these jars down and reveal? Yeah, turn turn them down and see if your palate is... So, I'm going... The one on the right is strawberry. I'm turning it round. Hartley's Best Strawberry Jam. Woo! I knew you could do it. I knew you could. I knew you'd be able to do that, James. I'm going to give you an eight. Thank you very much. That seems appropriate. I can't believe it. And so, yeah, let's just turn the other one round, just so, you know, for the judges, just to make sure... Yes, Hartley's best raspberry jam. The business. I can't believe it. Let's turn it around. Look at the ingredients. Yes, would you believe it? Strawberry jam, main ingredients, strawberries, raspberry jam, main ingredients, raspberries. I should have worked this out ages ago. Yeah. See, mate, you just didn't have enough faith in your own mouth. That's all I I didn't, I didn't. And I'd never, well, I'd never put myself to the test in an environment like this. Yeah. What a day this is. Do you know what I'm doing right now? What? I'm dipping another piece of bread directly into the marmalade. Into the into the into the jar without a knife. Yeah, you are a savage. I went rogue because I the, the raspberry and uh, strawberry was so sweet. I wanted something a bit more tart just mm. to cancel it out. Oh. I mean, I could just sit here all day with a spoon and just work my way through these jars. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be the best thing for you. I mean, I think you could probably have a sugar overload. 
Oh, yeah, but that that might be fun. Mm. Um, it might get me through this transfer window at any rate. Right. Well, there we go. That was thoroughly exciting. Fantastic. Well, I'm I'm glad that you're you know you're you're able to tell the difference between two very distinct things, even yeah. though they look quite similar. I know, I know. Well, that's the thing. Uh, that can be a problem in life. Mm. Things look similar, just treating them as if they're same. Yeah. Someone said on Twitter uh, that if you do this, I have to go to Nando's. Yeah, I think you should go to Nando's. What do I get? What do I order? What's the thing? What's what do I get? So chicken, yeah, I, know, I mean, unsurprisingly. So I think they do like a meal, which is like you know, a, a bit how of much chicken do you want? A half chicken or like? So it's like a do you want a quarter chicken? Oh, a half they chicken? do it like that, do they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A half and chicken is fine. Half chicken, and then I think you get two sides with that, and your sides could be like chips, or they could be it could be like rice or vegetable peas. They do nice macho peas. They're called peas. Yeah, they're like peas with a bit of chili. They're quite nice, right? Okay. And so you go and you eat that, and then basically you have to say how hot on a scale you want your chicken to be. Not not temperature-wise, I must be clear. Ah, so is this like uh, from one to Phil Collins, where Phil Collins is like the spiciest? It's basically that. So the, the bottom, you've got um, kind of like extra mild, which is, I think, like lemon and herb. Extra mild? I mean, what's the fucking point of extra mild? I Surely mild just, is fine. I, for I think it's lemon and herb is yeah. what it's also called. Yeah. So it's basically nothing. Then you've got medium, then you've got hot, then you've got extra hot. Mm-hmm. What do you go for? I go for medium or hot, depending on mm. my constitution at the time. Right. Okay. Hot, hot is delicious. I like hot. I like spicy. So, do you do you know? Do you have you had peri peri sauce? Do you know peri peri sauce? Uh, yeah, I think actually I've got a I've I've had a bottle of that Nando's peri peri right. sauce because you can get it in the supermarket. Yeah, so I think I've had that. So is that what they do? They douse your chicken in that sauce for While you? While they're cooking it, I think, yeah. Right. Or what have you. Okay. Um, and, yeah, it's 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 good. I mean, it is chicken and chips, but it's just simple and delicious. Footballers right. love it. <laughs> they do. They're in there all the time, honestly. They are. Okay. Well, Arsenal look- youth players can't get enough Nando's. All right. Well, look, I'll do that then. I will, will go. Actually? Yeah, I'll do that this week. I will go for a Nando's. At we some need point. photographic evidence on Twitter or something. Uh, all right, okay, I'll do that. Okay. Um, we'll, I'll do the Nando's thing and I'll report back with my findings on next week's uh, next week's show. How about that? If you, yeah, that'd be great. If you can do a little bit in the, uh, maybe even if, if you can record when we're in the Nando's into your phone or something, just your immediate feedback then, and then we can get a more considered opinion when we chat. Okay, good idea. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that then. Okay, it's all excitement. We're Great. having to make our own fun this, <laughs> this I know, summer. we really are. We don't, we don't need you, Arsenal. We yeah, you. fuck you, transfers. Who cares? We've got food-based things to do. Mm, okay, right. exciting. Oh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Anyway. Stay tuned, guys. Stay it, it's, tuned. It's going to happen. All right, well, listen, congratulations on your first taste of marmalade. I hope your day only gets better from here. I don't know how it, how it could get any worse. No. <laughs> It's up and up from this point. Sure is. All right. Well, listen, we'll catch you next week uh, for another Arsecast Extra when we talk about who knows what, but certainly chicken. Certainly chicken. Bye-bye, guys. Bye.